You're listening to the God of Life. Welcome back to the Gato Podcast. This is our second episode. I'm glad you could join us. Uh, we had an exciting weekend of uh, divisional round football, and we're going to get to that as soon as possible. All right, first on the slate, we had the defensive showdown. We expected it from the beginning, and we got it on the field. Tennessee Titans hosting the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, Fred, I'll let you kick this one off. What a game. What a game, indeed, yeah. What a game. I mean, that was... Playoff football at its best. It's amazing how the the Titans they were getting yardage. Justin Gage playing playing out of his mind. They were moving uh, they were moving the ball yeah. all over the the Chris, Chris Johnson running all over the place, but every time they're about to do something, they would turn it over. And, nope. uh, fumble, that just fumble. Seemed, yeah, it seemed to be the theme of the day. Whenever the Ravens absolutely needed a turnover to avoid falling behind, they would get it time and time again. Rex Ryan's defense stepped up. It it really saved them because you know Flacco. Look, he played he played mistake free football, but he didn't really win them the game. No, it was really the Ravens' defense. You know, they were bending but not breaking. Uh, when they needed to step up, they stepped up. What were your thoughts on that? Uh, the delay of game there. The delay of game. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of Tennessee fans are bitching uh, about that right now. Yeah, I mean, I'd be upset too. But hey, they had a lot of opportunities to win that game, and they lost it for themselves. So. I, when it comes down to it, you can't you can't really blame that one play because yeah. they they essentially threw the game away. It's yeah, their, they, their, they put themselves in that situation yeah. where you know it's pretty bad. I was just I love how they're like three full seconds came off the clock and you know look it was like one and like a half second maybe you know yeah it was definitely it was definitely more than one but it like wasn't even two. I think it was Deardorff getting a little a little antsy there a little. <laughs> I will not call this kid a rookie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will only call him a kid. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, yeah, it was, it was a defensive game that we expected, and I, whenever, I mean, I think I, I said this last time, whenever you've got two defensive teams, whoever turns it over less is most likely going to win the game, and uh, that's what happened again. And the, the crazy fact, which CBS showed us, is uh, the Dolphins had the best turnover ratio over the course of the season, the, the, over the season and the Titans had the second-best turnover ratio. Yeah, and they and, both... Uh, they both got out turnovered by the by the Baltimore Ravens. So a very impressive performance by them. All right. Uh, anything else you want to say? Should we move on? Um, I think we're good with that one. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, Delome's birthday that will remain in infamy. <laughs> infamy. Yeah, that that was. I feel bad Ooh. for him. <laughs> that was just. Oh God. It's 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 hard to it's hard to blame a loss on one player. But I mean, in this case, it's kind of easy. I mean, <laughs> wow. He he outdid Pennington's performance. He outdid Pennington's performance. He outdid anything that I've seen Brett Favre do. This was really, this really sets the gold standard for uh, for throwing a game away. I mean, he, he, uh, you had you got you got the carpet set. You've got this, you know, weak team coming into your house. You you had a week to prepare for it, and I don't know. You just threw it away. Single-handedly ended his team season. Yeah. And, you know, I have to fault the coaching staff a little bit because here you've got a dynamic 1-2 running combo, possibly the best in the league. You're you're up 7-3 or, or whatever they were up early. And as soon as they got behind 10-7 or whatever the score was, they just they panicked. They started throwing. But that's not their strength at all. Yeah. 
there was plenty of time to come back. There was no need to start throwing that much. No need. Even at halftime, they could have still kept. They could. They could have started running at, at the start of the third quarter, and uh, you know, they they went with the weakest aspect of their team. That's the passing game, yeah. and that got them into a hole. And they felt the only way to get out of hole was to pass, and that just dug them a deeper hole. It was just. It was like a never-ending cycle. And yeah, there was a lot of talk of them not being able to establish their run game, but I don't think they tried to establish the run. They definitely game. didn't. They definitely did not try to establish enough. It's that's the kind of thing where when that is your your strength, you have to keep going to it. You have to count on it. Exactly. Espe- especially maybe after the second Delhomme interception, you don't let him tro- throw five interceptions. You know, just just uh, ridiculous. It was. It was. It was. Very difficult to watch. Very difficult to watch. And apparently uh, the Cardinals, all they have to do is throw the ball to Larry Fitzgerald and he'll come oh, up with it. No Fitzgerald. matter what. Fitzgerald proving he doesn't need Bolden to be a great receiver. He is a legitimate receiver in his own right and probably right now the, the best receiver in the league. Yeah. And no one no one really has a case against him at this point. Yep, best receiver uh, in the league minus, minus all the distractions that come with your TOs and Oh, he's he's a, he's a team first guy. He's focused. He'll he'll never drop a ball. He is unbelievable. A six foot three runs down the field faster than anyone. He's a he's a great receiver. Got it. You gotta love. I mean that. I mean that's. You know, I have no real rooting interest coming up this weekend. But you know, I'll be rooting for the Cardinals just because of guys like Fitzgerald. Fun yeah. to watch. Fun to watch. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the Sunday games. The first one was the. Classic NFC East showdown between, between the Giants and the uh, Eagles. It looks like the Eagles proving them proving that they're the Giants from last year <laughs> by beating, I guess you'd call them the, the Cowboys of last year, the, the the favored Giants at home. Yeah, I guess you, you would. That's the drawn out analogy, and uh, Eli Manning played pretty awful. He look, Eli will tell you straight up he misses Flaxo bars. Oh yeah. You can tell immediately that that team needs that deep threat. You know, like, okay, obviously this is, you know, a bit far-fetched, but when you think about the purest sense of the of the term MVP, most valuable player, Plaxico Burris, I mean, you know, I know I'm, I'm bastardizing the term, but he is he is their most valuable player. Look, uh, look at how awful they, they, they played without him. Yeah, that, that, the, I guess that's true. The only win they had was, was really against the Panthers. They, they just, they... They laid down against you know a lot of teams that they look. Hickson had a nice catch, I understand it, but he is not going to draw the double teams that Plaxico draws. And against a team like the Eagles, you know, Plaxico really makes a difference. And it, they proved it in the regular season without Plax, they couldn't win, and in the postseason without Plax, they couldn't win. And both games were at home. I think it's funny now that they realize how much they need him that they're talking about him coming back to the Giants. Exactly. I remember during the season they were saying, no, there's no way Plax is coming back, and now you know it's creeping in their head. What are you going to do with Adam? Yeah, GM's calling him and saying, hey, if you don't have any problems, then uh, welcome back. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty funny. It's pretty funny to me. Uh, anyway, what, what did you think about McNabb's phone call? I don't know if you were at the – inside Heinz Field yet, or if you saw that. that yeah, I, I actually missed that part, because uh, they were showing the game in the in the Jumbotron in Heinz Field, but they stopped once the players came out to start warming up, so. Oh, so yeah, it was, it was kind of funny. I mean, it's the kind of thing where if T.O. does it, everyone rips on him, but, you know, McNabb's, McNabb's established himself as a respectable player, and he did it. I mean, the game was out of hand. He was just he was just joking around, and he apologized for it after the fact, so I have no big problem with it. He was just really pumped up. Yeah, probably probably got a fine from a good deal, though. 
<laughs> Whatever, you can't blame him. Yeah, just Goodell loves to find whoever he can. <laughs> anyway, uh, onwards to the final game of the weekend. Uh, your boys, the Pittsburgh Steelers, hosting the San Diego Chargers. Coming off a big win there. If I would have told you before the game that the Steelers' defense would allow 24 points and yet they would still win, would you have believed that? No way, no way. Oh, and it, it's, it, it's really interesting to me because, you know, the Chargers came out of the gates firing. That touchdown pass to Vincent Jackson was incredible. Uh, that was a phenomenal catch. Yeah, that was ridiculous. And, uh, and, it, and it really looked like the Chargers were dictating the pace of the game until that Holmes returner for a touchdown. That totally swung the momentum. I really think that was the game changer right there. Yeah, it. It, was, it was important for the Steelers to go get on the board and to do it that way with everybody got, everybody got, talking about punting being their, their greatest advantage in this game. And yeah. then that happens right out of the game. That was, that, that was great. Yeah, I mean, that was really – got the crowd back in the game. It was really a, a big momentum changer. It was kind of funny. I think uh, Nance was saying how they talked to uh, Cypher's mom last week, and his mom said, you know, his name is actually Cypress, not Cyphers. Uh, so ever since they started calling him by his actual pronunciation, Cyphers, he was uh, – awful from that point onward ah. so uh for his own sake he may want to switch it back to cyphers i don't know yeah yeah really did not know that <laughs> funny tidbits from the cbs announcing crew yes the, the stuff you miss you know while, while you're at the game <laughs> i guess yeah i mean the other the other key for the steelers they established the run game that's something they've been lacking the last few weeks and uh, i mean that offensive line i don't know what happened in the bye week but they gave up what was it one sack yeah, like Parker getting into triple digits, that that was huge. Russell Russell pounding it in up close. Yeah, I mean, these yeah. are things these are things that have been missing all season. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, they they got it when they needed it. I mean, I, I it was it was pretty much. I know they gave up a lot of points and whatnot, but I think all in all, it was a pretty flawless performance by the team. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was it was a monster performance. You know, Woodley had some amazing sacks. Oh yeah. Uh, he, he just wrestled uh, Rivers down to the ground. and I mean, you know, what a performance in that third quarter. Yeah, that was that was amazing. I cannot believe yeah, that. Yeah, the Chargers had one snap. The Chargers took one snap in the third quarter. And that's that's how that's how you dominate the game. Just don't give the other team the opportunity to score. That's, that's how you're going to win the game. And that's exactly what Steelers football is and something that they haven't been able to do throughout the regular season. So it, it's nice to see that back. And everyone was worried about Sproles, but you guys found a way to, to wrap him up, secure him. Don't You didn't let him get into open space. That was huge. Right. Had, a, had a bunch of passing yards, but the whole team, the Chargers, had 15 yards rushing, something like that, which yeah. really amazing performance by Steelers defense. Yeah. All right, now that we're uh, on this topic, AFC Championship game next week, Steelers hosting the Ravens. This, I mean, I'll let you, I'll let you set it up. I don't know if you'll believe me or not, but I forget what week it was when I was starting to write down all what I thought would happen in the playoffs. And I, I just had this feeling that it was going to come down to the Steelers and the Ravens. And <laughs> here we are. It's, they're just that, that nagging team that never goes away. I mean, as this a Steelers is, fan. This is, I mean, this is one of the showdowns you, you love to see at an AC championship game. Anytime you got rivals, you know, meeting for the third time this season, the games have been decided by combined seven points. Yeah, this is this is what football this is what football is all about, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's crazy, and it's uh, you know, Flacco had some turnovers the last few games, which was uh, you know why those Steelers won those last few games. 
if Flacco can keep up his mistake-free football, that that's a good sign for uh, for the Ravens. If if the Steelers can continue this resurgent offensive line play, protect Ben, get Willie to triple digits again, that'll be a good sign for for the Steelers. You know, both teams are clicking on all cylinders right now. Yeah, both the, both teams are peaking right now in the postseason. It, it's truly going to be an amazing game, I think. They're both playing to their strengths. Yeah, it looks like this is going to be a great game, a classic classic football game. I'm assuming there's gonna be cold weather. You got in the trenches. This is gonna be a classic, classic football game. Yeah, um, and and the reason that I feel good about it right now is that we're already re- winning in the injury front. I heard this this morning for the first time this entire season. We have not one injury going into the game. And that's you know the Ravens got banged up big time against yeah, the Titans. That, that was a tough game for them. They they have a yeah. bunch of players with you know mostly minor injuries, but still you don't know. Like you could water. tell, you could tell McLean was kind of limping around off the field. Terrell Suggs isn't uh, fully healthy. Yeah, Suggs is a um, big one. Yeah, they have a bu- bunch of banged up players there, and that could that could play the difference in the outcome. You know, how how healthy are the guys in the trenches? The guys that really know really make things make things churn down there. So yeah, that's that's one thing where where I'm optimistic right now. All right, let's just uh, pick the line. It's a five point spread here. The, the Steelers are favored by five. Wow, that high! Yeah, I'm, I was I was surprised. I, I am I'm truly surprised by that, considering we were getting six to the Chargers. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, Man. I mean, considering you know the first game decided by three, second game decided by four. I don't know. Maybe they think because you had a you know you had a, you put a lot of points on the board during this last game. I think that's what swayed it. I yeah. think had you had you won sixteen to ten, something like that, the line would probably be a bit lower. Probably, but I yeah. think I think I think Vegas has a lot of confidence right now in uh, Big Ben's health and Willie Parker coming back. So I think that's why the line's at five. It'll be interesting to see if that moves at all. Yeah, it, it might move. It might move. That was that was just the opening line. Right, right. Um. Well, I get it worked for me last week, so I got to take the Steelers. <laughs> take the Steelers. Uh, no, I'm going to take the Ravens. Uh, I just love what they're doing, and I think. Even if the Steelers win, I honestly think it's going to be by a field goal. So I'm going to I'm going to take the take the points here. Pick the underdog. All right, all that's, right. That's what, that's what I did last week. I picked all the underdogs. and I went three and one. So I'm going to ride the underdogs. This has been the year of the underdog, except for the Steelers. So yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens when underdog meets Steeler. Year of the underdog and year of the rematches, really. Yeah, a lot of rematches. We've, we've had two games in the postseason that have not been rematches, and that's it. Wow. Yeah, that is. And if Philadelphia wins the early game on Sunday, then we're guaranteed a rematch in the Super Bowl as well. So, yeah, wow, that is ridiculous. All right, well, we'll put off our Cardinals Eagles forecast for just a few seconds. We get our friends Ace and Row on. All right, on the line with us now, we've got our good friends Ace and Row. We're going to have a couple segments here. The first one I call Five Interestingly Awesome Facts. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to read off five facts that are extremely interesting to me, but one of them is uh, fake. So the three of you are going to have to figure out which one is the fake fact. Winner gets a virtual pat on the back. Uh, I know that all three of you are in front of a computer right now, so I implore you. Please do not look this up as we're talking, because that ruins the fun. All right, you, you all ready? All right. All right, here sure. we go. All right, the first fact. 
the team that has numerously, numerously, on multiple occasions been voted the best college team ever, the 1995 Nebraska Cornhuskers, have only produced two NFL Pro Bowlers. That was the first one. Uh, Ace, I hear you typing something. No typing. No, ty- no typing. No typing. That's how do you get right. me? I don't know. I heard something. <laughs> All right. The second fact. Walter Jones, left tackle for the Seattle Seahawks, nine-time Pro Bowler, has a son named Walterius and a daughter named Walleria. All right. Fact number three. Jason Hansen has been kicker for the Detroit Lions since before the advent of free agency. Uh, fact number four. Brett Favre this season shot a turkey and stuffed it into a teammate's locker as a practical joke. And the final fact. Romeo Cornell has both a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in physical education. <laughs> <laughs> Yet he is somehow incredibly out of shape. All right, uh, Ace. Okay, I'm gonna need a one word uh, right. reminder. This is very much like Balderdash, except the yes. opposite. All right, first one: uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers, best costume ever, only produced yep. two NFL Pro Bowlers. Walter Jones has a son named Walterius and a daughter named Walleria. Jason Hansen has been kicker for the Detroit Lions since before free agency. And Brett Favre shot a turkey and stuffed it into a teammate's locker as a practical joke this season. And finally, Romeo Cornell has both a bachelor's degree and master's degree in physical education. All right, I'll go with the Lions one. Okay. Jason Hansen? All right, uh, Ro. All right, well, well, I know Hansen's been around forever. Walter Jones has been around forever. Seems like an arrogant kind of guy. I'm sure he can name his kids after himself. That seems perfectly logical to me. All right, we're not asking uh, for rationalizations. What's the answer? Oh, well, you know what? I don't think Brett Favre ever left his office. I don't think he ever bothered with the turkey. I remember reading that article, actually. Oh, well, the, guess is, the guess is locked in. All right, Fred, now with the advantage of having some dialogue at his disposal. I think Cornell actually has a Ph.D. in physical education. All right, so you're going with Cornell? I'm going to go with Cornell. <laughs> All right. The one that I made up was the Cornhuskers only having two Pro Bowlers. They actually only had one Pro Bowler, Amon Green. Oh, that's tricky. That's tricky. Yep. Yeah, Amon Green is the only one. I mean, I was just stunned by the fact that despite being named the best team ever, they had no one recognizable besides Amon Green. And that really that really struck me. I just I, I laughed for about five straight minutes when I found out about Walter Jones. They were consecutive minutes. That's having a, having a, a daughter whose name rhymes with diarrhea. Um, <laughs> it's, ne- it's never a good thing. And yeah, Jason Hansen, I think the year that he started was the year, I don't know, it was, it was the, like after that year was the first year of free agency. I didn't realize it was that recent. I thought like free agency had been around since the 80s or. That's what I thought, nope. yeah. Reggie White was the first one. Okay, okay. He and sort of I, broke the door down. Brett Favre did, in fact, shoot Turkey and stuff into a teammate's locker. I figure out I was the only one who would know that. It wasn't who was really... the teammate? Who was the teammate? Eric Barton. Eric Barton. Yeah, the inside linebacker. And I wonder who Roger... the anonymous source was then. <laughs> <laughs> and Romeo Cornell, amazingly, has a bachelor's and master's degree in physical education. I, I, he clearly does not practice whatever he may be preaching, but that is what it is, as Fred loves to say all I, the time. Yes. I'm, I'm looking into Cornell's credentials right now. Okay. <laughs> Let me know if you find anything else. That concludes the 
segment now known as Five Interestingly Awesome Facts. Really only four, but anyway. And now for a real test. Let's go with a little psychology test for both of you. So I'm going to say a series of words to each of you, and you have to say one word that comes to mind. The first thing that comes to mind when I say whatever I'm going to say. So we'll start with Ace. All right. First one is Plaxico Burris. Shot in the leg. One word. That's four words. Oh, one word. Um, fast. Fast, really? <laughs> that was incredibly lame. <laughs> I think I would go with sweatpants. Sweatpants. <laughs> All right. Number two, Eli Manning. Overrated. Ooh. Sorry. Ooh, indeed. <laughs> Ooh, indeed. Go. Let's do three. Uh, number three, Tom Conklin. Intense. Intense. He's intense. You could tell he was a little pissed off. He was pretty pissed off. Yeah. A lot of mistakes in that game, but anyway. All right, let's go with Row now. We'll start with Andy Reid's beard. Inspiring. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely inspiring. Inspires me to shave. Yeah, really. It inspires me to never eat fried chicken anymore. <laughs> All right, McNabb's telephone call. Classy. Classy. All right. And finally, Dawkins. Aww. Aww, okay. Uh, is he cried at the end of the game? Okay. That, that man has more passion than any Philadelphia athlete ever. That's all I got to say about that. He actually has a cool beard. I like his beard. And he's scary. He will ruin people. <laughs> Is there any way that Andy Reid can make his beard more like Brian Dawkins? Is that at all possible? I've heard a lot of criticism for Andy Reid because he's been trimming it. He's been trimming it? What? Yeah. That's yeah. not to be the whole point. He's trimming his expectations for the playoffs is what he's doing. Oh. Whoa. Oh. <laughs> Probably not as, not as badly as the Cardinals uh, prematurely throwing Gatorade. Bucket at him. <laughs> we were going to do predictions, but seeing as how both Ace and Roe went one and three against the spread last week, we're, bo- we're revoking both of your predicting <laughs> rights. Uh, Simmons but, can go 0 and 4 and continue uh, to make predictions. Simmons admits he's not a legitimate source for anything. But uh-huh. what we will take is Roe's opinion on the upcoming Cardinals and Eagles game. What do you see uh, coming up? Well, I see two teams that are playing much better than anyone thought they would, especially the Cardinals. Uh, Everyone saw that game was going to be a blowout. Definitely, definitely. And they were right. (laughs) I I had a friend who put it best. Jake DeLome pulled the Brett Favre better than Brett Favre ever could. (laughs) On his birthday. Jake DeLome pulled the Jake DeLome. I mean, he's known to blow up like that sometimes. No, not to that extent. Not maybe not to the tune of four picks. No, I mean I've I've always felt that Delhomme has been the typical game manager, and it just uh, backfired like crazy. He's he's obviously a par season. He has the propensity to to have a really bad game sometimes, you know. But I I don't think he has the history though. I mean, back on point, back on point. Let's not let the giant fan distract us here. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, go enjoy your off season. Uh, The key here is that the. Cardinals offense, specifically Larry Fitzgerald's playing out of his mind, and he's going to make his plays. In our previous matchup where we throttled him 48-20, to 20, 
he still had a couple of touchdowns. So the key is to limit his big play ability as much as possible and stop their running game, which surprisingly they've managed to make okay, which is their big weakness. They can throw the ball all over the place. but Grimm's done a great job with that O-line. There's no way that nothing you can say take that away from them. That's true. And right now, the various pundits are already getting themselves prepared for a Keystone State's Super Bowl. Super Bowl, that's the word. <laughs> the Steagles? The Steagles. Yes, the again. <laughs> I heard on uh, Pittsburgh Radio this morning that they want, well, obviously this will never happen, but if it's a Keystone matchup, we should just uh, take the game from the NFL, have it at Penn State. Oh, that'd be interesting. That. <laughs> it's a big stadium, too. Yeah. Yeah, a few few bar fights after the game. That would be nice. <laughs> what I want to point out point out about this game is just the drastically different paths these two teams have taken. The Eagles, with their back against the wall, have to claw win four of their last five games just to make it to this point. The the Cardinals, on their other hand, just clinched it so early, cruised. No one thought they'd be able to turn it back on, and they've surprised a lot of people. And uh, both these teams have done a great job of surprising. Uh, to get to the point where they are right now. And I believe it's the first time ever a uh, four-seed is hosting a game. Does uh, anyone think that the that the Cardinals have just been, you know, playing a ruse all along? Oh, we don't have a run game. <laughs> all the time. We throw all the time. We throw all the time. Oh, let's run the ball. Game over. It's quite possible because Hightower is pretty awful. And so I think Wizenhunt had a little foresight there. He's like, you know, we're going to make the playoffs. Let's just make everyone think that this fifth-round guy – Tim Hightower is all we've got. <laughs> In his back pocket, he had the the ace, if you will. The I mean, I think I think he had the better game uh, over Edge. I mean, I think, I think Edge got in the end zone, but Edge averaged something like two point eight yards per carry. I think Hightower was over five. But you know, yeah, he's he's much worse than Edge. What it boils down to is is really the offensive line play, because not only is it the existence of a run game, it's just the incredible pass protection that Warren's yeah. been all postseason. And uh, it's really opened up. I mean, it's not just that offense. The the the, the Cardinals secondary making plays. Dominique Rogers Cromartie, he's a rookie, but he's playing like he's been been in the playoffs multiple years. And yeah. Montrell Roll stepping up. A lot of a lot of people. Docket. A lot of people on that Cardinal defensive stepped up. Yeah, and I, and I think that's where the key lies when you look come down to it. Their, their offense is going to score some. There's no real way to stop it. But the key in this entire run is their defense has been forcing turnovers at will. And in the first game, they couldn't stop the Eagle offense. And the Cardinals had a couple of fluky interceptions, and that put them behind the eight ball, and then that was all she wrote. And granted, they were coming in off a short week, coming to the East Coast, to a cold-weather city. So a lot of factors played against them, and now they're going to be at home in front of a raucous Glendale, Arizona crowd. Listen, it is an, it's an underrated home field. They have they have good fans when they when they're doing well. They have some they have some very good fans. Yeah. I think they so. were needless to say a little paranoid about Eagle fans swallowing up tickets. Uh, they banned all sales of tickets to people without an Arizona zip code on their credit card. Ooh. Wow. wow. I mean that's smart of them. Smart of them. Yeah. Well, max, maximize that home field advantage. The Giants, it sure, it sure sounded like there were more Eagle fans than Giant fans at, at the Meadowlands last week. It's amazing. Well, well, we're a loud, obnoxious bunch. <laughs> All yeah, right. There, there's uh, a significant Eagle crowd there, I'll have yeah. to say. 
Definitely. That's judging by the end of the game. All right. So what you think the final score will be? It's always tough to predict your own team, but what do you what do you foresee here? I'm going to say Eagles 27, Cardinals 24. All right. Going with the with the spread, just uh <laughs> playing it safe. All right. I want to I want to thank both Ace and Ro for stopping by. Should be a fun weekend of football coming up. And um, I, I apologize, Ace. But you can't win them all. That's trouble. Yep. Eli. I mean, Eli had an awful game, and I, I mean, I the Eagles the... just the Eagles played really well. Honestly, mm-hmm. I have to give them props because McNabb was much better than Eli. I mean, you could see that the conditions were not right for throwing the ball, but McNabb was had tight spiral after tight spiral. Was Eli was just lobbing it up there, you know, end over end, and it just was not pretty. I don't know. Yep. Can I just point out the Eli Manning faces back? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> is, it, is it ever? The puzzled look. <laughs> what was the over-under about, like, 10? At least? Yeah. <laughs> 10 times? Oh. I'm after Big Bro, who's still pouting on the sidelines. <laughs> it was epic. Epic. All right, well, thanks, guys, for stopping by, and uh, we'll catch you next week. All right, now that those two jokers are gone... Time to pick the game, the Arizona and Philadelphia game. The line, as I see it, is, is a three-point advantage for the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm going I'm to, as much as I love the Cardinals, I really think, I think, I think the Eagles secondary is phenomenal. They're gonna, they're not gonna stop them. They're not gonna stop Fitzgerald and company, but they'll at least contain them. And uh, I, th- I think the Eagles will cover. As much as I'll be rooting for the Cardinals. All right, well, I think I'm going to go for broke here in our picks and go with the Arizona Cardinals and Pittsburgh West over there. Pittsburgh, the, the Wizen Hunt meets, meets former team matchup. Yeah, I, I honestly would like to see that. That would, that would certainly be interesting. A lot of Steeler talent, Grimm and Wizen Hunt and you know, Tom and LeBeau, a lot of, lot of familiar faces meeting up again. That would be interesting. Yeah, and, uh, yeah I, I just think... Like you said, Arizona's a real fun team to watch right now, and I, I would like to keep having fun. <laughs> I was just perusing the Jets message board, and there was one thread that was titled, Three of the final four teams have this, and the Jets don't. And, you know, the, the typical responses were, three of the four teams have a bird as their mascot, or three of the four teams have a pro bowler at safety, et cetera, et cetera. But the first thing that popped into my mind before I even clicked on the link was three of the four of the final four teams have a head coach that's actually in shape, <laughs> and, uh, and I think you uh, know which one it doesn't fit that description. I, I can't think of it right now, but <laughs> I'm gonna go back and look at the tapes and <laughs> see what we can find there. Uh, I, the, one more thing I wanted to comment about Andy Reid. I know, I know we've you know we've kind of analyzed his his beer situation to, to death but one thing we haven't commented on is the color now bear with me here he's got the normal hair color in the goatee area and the mustache right. except except for a patch of gray directly on the chin and then he's also got gray on the on the sideburn area and the cheeks and the cheeks yeah i actually noticed that 
So it, it's quite multicolorful, although the two colors are the boring brown and, and gray. It's just interesting where the colors start and stop. You know, it's it's easy to get lost in Andy Reid's in Andy Reid's beard. You you thinking a little bit of just for men there? Just uh, well, I don't know. Would would just for men help Andy Reid? Do you need just for big men? I feel like you're gonna need something extra strong. Get that. Umph. Just just a few bottles of it, you know. Or, <laughs> I guess multiple <laughs> bottles should do the trick. <laughs> anyway, as we hopefully that's the last Andy Andy Reid beard reference we have on this podcast. Otherwise, we might need to change the name of the show <laughs> to the Andy Reid Beard Podcast. Uh, that wouldn't be bad. <laughs> it would, I, I think it would get a lot of listeners. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> final segment of the show, the God of the Week. I would just like to point out the implications of the segment now. I don't know if you heard, but Charles Barkley just announced that he's going to be taking a little six-week or more hiatus for, from TNT. And I think it's because of the shame brought onto him by the Godam of last week. Oh, yes. Millions of listeners who tune into our show probably gave Charles Barkley uh, a good ribbing, and he felt a little embarrassed and, you know, had to sidestep the media for a little while. So, you know, before we, before we decide on a Godam, we have to really think of all these implications. <laughs> Yeah, because we have far-reaching influences. Oh yeah, this is this is a fast-growing <laughs> movement, people. Uh, all right, so on to the Godam of this week. Some of you may know, but not too many people know the details. The Portland Trailblazers recently forced Darius Miles to retire after playing eight games of the season. <laughs> the thing that not too many people realize is that if Darius Miles plays ten NBA games this season a clause in his contract kicks in that gives him $18 million this season, and that would completely destroy Portland's salary cap structure. <laughs> so while he's a, technically he was a retired free agent, what other NBA teams realized was you know, they could just sign him and essentially hold him hostage. You know, they could say, you know, we're going to play him for two games and totally screw you over, or you know, we'll, trade him, we'll trade him back to you in exchange for something. And, you know, when the Portland GM realized this disaster he'd created, he sent out a letter to all NBA teams saying, do not sign him, you know, it's not fair. But the Memphis Grizzlies clearly did not care. They Today they signed Darius Miles to a contract. And looks like the Portland Trailblazers are going to have to suffer for their stupidity. And for that, this week, the God of the Week, Portland Trailblazers and their general management. Ouch. Ah, that's a got him. That, that is a got him if I've heard him. <laughs> $18 million because you just forgot to hang on to him, you know, keep him on the inactive list. Yep. Anyway, that's all for this show. I want to thank you for stopping by. If you if you listen for both podcasts so far, I applaud you. Please tell everyone you know, listen to our show, and uh, we'll see you next week. Take care. Thank you for downloading the Gotham Podcast.